Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, where my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that I've grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pau Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio, powered by Molka Sports. Find more about them online at M-A-L-K-A Sports. Dot com. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing great. And uh, yeah, exciting times, man. I mean, Masters was fun. We got NBA playoffs starting. Uh, sports world is hopping right now. Yeah, no guests this week. You and I are going to chop it up and dig into a number of different topics. Let's start with the Masters. Boy, it was so good to see Tiger Woods back on the golf course. First time in 508 days that he had been uh, on the course for a competitive play. You know, I think he played a tournament with his son, Charlie, but that didn't really count. This was different. Um, He labored in the third and fourth rounds, but just the fact that he was out there and that he made the cut 14 months after a car accident where he nearly lost his leg, it's, it's truly one of the more remarkable feats I've seen, Griggs. It really is. And I mean, you look at that course and that's quite a walk every day, you know, up those hills and down those things in the sand traps over the bridges. I mean, it's not an easy walk for a normal golfer and it's a, it's a good little workout, let alone a guy that has literally a, pretty much a brand new leg on him. So uh, yeah, it was pretty impressive. And, you know, really it was driving the ball well too. It looked like his swing was, was pretty well. So the tiger bump, everyone talks about, you know, tigers, the, the needle for golf. Um, if he's playing in a tournament, especially after a long layoff like this one, he really moves the the ratings. He did move the ratings. The early round telegasts on, on Thursday and Friday on ESPN got great numbers. And then the final round, CBS drew 10.17 million viewers. That's the largest audience to watch a golf tournament in three years. Um, it's up 8% from last year. It's below the 10.81 million number when Tiger himself won the tournament in 2019 and everyone was watching that final round. It was so emotional and remember the hug with Tiger and his son, Charlie, but uh, really good numbers for the Masters. The other thing that CBS did really well, I thought, was before final round coverage, there was the sit down with Tiger and Jim Nance that was pre-recorded. And it was the 25-year anniversary, a look back at Tiger's first green jacket. And, Griggs, I don't know if you had a chance to watch that, but I just love reflective Tiger at this point in his life. Early on in his career, he was so guarded. We didn't really get much from him. And 
Now you can just tell uh, he's a different, more mature human being. He's been through a lot in his life. He's a dad now. And uh, I just really enjoyed the conversation. I thought Nance did a great job and was the perfect person to kind of facilitate that look back with Tiger. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was really well done. And uh, like you said, Tiger, he's just so more real now. He's more, you know, human, I guess you would say, and emotional. And you see that on his face and how he answers questions. And he's just more open to discussion and talking about his past and the things he's gone through. But uh, yeah, I thought it was really well done. And uh, that's some good ratings. I think when you know you've got Tiger playing on Sunday, you never know what's going to happen. So people want to view, especially with Phil Mickelson out of the question now, too. He's another one that draws the number. So it's good to have Tiger playing on Sunday. So $2,000 was the average price of a badge for the weekend. So those numbers were up. You could still pay $1.50 for your uh, famous pimento cheese sandwich at Augusta. I love that, how they keep their prices for food and and beverages down. They haven't really raised those too much over the years, but you're going to pay a heck of a price for a badge. You're going to pay a heck of a price for lodging when you're there. There are some people I tweeted out last week. I have some friends in Augusta Griggs, they rent out their house for the week of, of Augusta, of the Masters, and they come close to covering their mortgage for the rest of the year. That's how much they're able to rent their house out for. And there are even you know companies like Nike and others, they look to buy houses there. So when they have their golfers coming to the Masters or their executives coming to the Masters, they just own the house and they don't have to rent the house every year. So Real estate around Augusta National has gone up a lot. And I've been to Augusta. And Augusta National has bought up a lot of the land around the course itself. But if you go, I would say, a mile away from Augusta National, it's pretty poor. And, you know, you're going you're gonna to find Hooters and you're going to find the strip malls. And, you know, they make it look great on TV. I always joke, it's like, you know, I went to Loyola Marymount in Los Angeles and, and, Whenever they used to show the Lakers games when I was growing up, they showed the beach and the palm trees. Well, you go to the forum and it's in Inglewood and it's in the hood. And, you know, it wasn't in the greatest of areas. It's not near the beach. There aren't palm trees nearby. It's kind of the same with Augusta National. Like they make it look great on TV and the course itself is like heaven. But right outside the gates of Augusta National, there's a lot of poverty. Yeah, I feel it's kind of like the Disneyland concept, too, where Disney keeps buying all this stuff and it's rich and just tons of money inside Disney. And then you're right. You go across the street and it's back to normal. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've read that, too, about the guys that rent their house and for that week and it pays the mortgage for the year. So, man, if you can get a hold of a a house across from the ninth hole, uh, you're going to be doing pretty well, I think. All right. Forbes did an interesting breakdown of the revenues for the Masters. So the Masters revenues come in from the following areas. Merchandise, $69 million. So if you go to this tournament, you're buying lots of merchandise. Even if you're not going to the tournament, you're ordering it online. $69 million annually. That's what the Masters does in merchandise. Badges. So these are the people that come and attend the event. Basically your ticket, but it's a badge. $39 million. The Masters doesn't have domestic TV rights. They do a trade with CBS and ESPN. So there's no domestic TV rights, but the international TV rights are $25 million. And then concessions, $8 million. And that's a pretty impressive number because like I said a minute ago, you're paying $1.50 for a pimento sandwich. You're paying 
you know, $3 for a drink. It's not like they're charging you 10 bucks for a beer there. So to get to 8 million, that's a lot of food and drink that's being sold. So the total number revenue wise for 2022, according to Forbes, $142 million is what the masters brings in a lot of money. And then, you know, you've got six sponsors of the tournament. And again, Augusta does this on their own. The sponsors, AT&T, Delta, IBM, Rolex, UPS, and Mercedes-Benz, some really great companies there, Griggs, that want their names aligned with this incredible major. Yeah, and they do such a good job with the commercials, too, because they kind of tie them into golf. A lot of them are golf-focused, so it's uh, it almost feels like it's just kind of all one big uh, you know broadcast. You don't even realize you're kind of watching a commercial, and they're limited, too. you got a lot of coverage without commercial, long spans without commercials, um, so I think they do a really good job. I enjoyed watching a lot on stream. I did Paramount+, Plus, I did ESPN+, Plus, so it was fun watching some of those featured groups in Amen Corner, and uh, really did a lot of that on Thursday and Friday. That was fun. Well, and I think that's the future of watching golf, right? Like for years, you're like, I can't watch Tiger until the telecast comes on. Well, now you can go online and you can stream and you can see Tiger tee off because on Sunday, he wasn't amongst the leaders. So if you want to watch his round, you can't do it by watching TV. You can see his last maybe seven or eight holes on TV. But if you want to watch from the beginning of his round, you got to stream it. So is that ESPN plus, like you said, is it Paramount? Is it, you know, a a different streaming service? But I do think that's the future where it's kind of a la carte. Like this is the golfer I want to watch today, or this is the group I want to watch today. I'm going to go online. I'm going to stream it. And, you know, you've got that coverage that's different than the telecast. So you can watch one of the featured groups. And I thought that was really well done. I did the same thing. I, I watched some of that and you know, there were no glitches. The picture was good. I thought it was really good. All right. Let's talk about the man who won the tournament because I don't know that we've seen a story like this, this ever in golf. Scotty Scheffler. Griggs, he won his first tournament at the Phoenix Open, which took place the same weekend as the Super Bowl. So we're talking, I don't know, six, seven weeks ago. In that time, he has ascended to become the number one golfer in the world. He's won four tournaments. Check this out, Griggs. So so we're recording this on April 12th. So far this year, Scotty Scheffler has won $10.1 million. To put that in perspective, John Rahm, for the entire 2021 year, won $7.1 million. So Scotty Scheffler's already won more than Rom did all of last year. And we're four months into the year, and we've got four of the top five biggest tournaments yet to be played. The other thing that's crazy is the FedEx Cup is going to have their biggest payout they've ever had this year, $17.5 million. Right now, Scott Scheffler leads the FedEx Cup by 1,236 points. So there's a scenario where he doesn't gain another point the rest of the year. He's already got enough of a lead. And this guy walks away with the 10 million he has in his pocket now, plus the 17.5 million as the FedEx Cup payout. Griggs, we're talking over $27 million that Scotty Scheffler could win this year Alone, when you start putting that in comparison to like what Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas won in their entire career, it's it's mind boggling how much money this guy could make just this year. 
It's crazy. I mean, he he just came on like out of nowhere. I mean, the guy just he won that that like you said the um, the Phoenix Open, and it's just like he hasn't stopped four out of six tournaments, and he's just just playing amazing golf. I mean, basically he had the Masters one Friday afternoon. I mean, I don't think anybody. Cam Smith came to within one, I think, for one hole on Sunday, and then he just says, "Okay, I'm going to go chip this in and birdie this hole and and run away by five. So I mean, he's just killing it on the course too. So he won eight point six million dollars from four wins in his last six starts. You put 2.7 for winning the Masters on top of that. That's how you get to the over $10 million mark. And like I said, if he keeps up anything remotely close to this pace, he doesn't even have to win tournaments. He just has to top five, top 10 it. He's going to get that $17.5 million season ending FedEx Cup bonus. And that's going to bring him to $27 million. So if he wins more tournaments... We could be looking at a player who could win 30 to $40 million this season alone. Again, shattering all kinds of records. On top of that, Forbes estimates that Scotty Scheffler has $6 million from endorsements with companies like Nike, TaylorMade, and Titleist. I saw a video he did with his wife where he's talking about how much he loves Chipotle. If you're Chipotle, don't you sign Scotty Scheffler to a deal like our friend Hillary Knight has, where she has that little VIP card and can just walk into Chipotle anytime and order whatever she wants. I mean, this is a guy whose star is rising. He's a very laid back guy. Um, I don't know that he's got the outgoing personality that a Tiger Woods has, but you know, he's a young guy, even though he looks like he's in his 40s. And he might be on the scene for golf for a long, long time. But again, we've never seen someone burst onto the scene this quickly. Basically, within six weeks, go from winning your first tournament to becoming the number one ranked player in the world. And as I just outlined, he's going to shatter all kinds of prize money records this year. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, winning the Masters, that's that's the big one. I mean, that puts you on a map for endorsements and you're on the, the late shows and your your name is now out there. You got the green jacket. So you're always going to have that. And I think that helps you make more money and play better golf down the road, too. So I think, uh, yeah, the future is definitely bright for him. I agree. I think the personality, hopefully it starts to come out a little more. We need some excitement. He didn't even look that excited when he won the Masters. So maybe a little more oomph, but uh, that'll come. Yeah, he's 25 years old. And, you know, I think one of the things that makes him good and why he was able to hang on to the lead is he's pretty even keeled. You know, he doesn't get too up. He doesn't get too down. He's pretty straightforward and uh, you know, good for Scotty Scheffler. I think we're going to be hearing his name a lot. He's definitely going to be at the open at St. Andrews. Tiger Woods has said he's going to be at the Open in St. Andrews, and Tiger's had a lot of success at the Open in St. Andrews in the past over the course of his career, so that'll be interesting to see. But, you know, great to see Tiger back out there. I loved Rory's final round 64, best final round at the Masters ever, chipped in on 18. Uh, You know, that was fun to watch, but like you said before, Scheffler was too far out in front for even a 64 to catch him in the final round by Rory. Yeah, Rory's always fun, and I love his his excitement, and the 18th hole was just fascinating how he chipped that in. But uh, yeah, he had a great run, and that was fun watching that last round, just watching him uh, you know, take that course by storm. And you can see how how difficult it is. Cam Smith was playing great golf, and it just absolutely ate him up after he, uh, he and triple bogeyed on 12. So that course is brutal, and uh, you can lose it in one hole. You're listening to Sports Business Radio.
We'll be right back after this. Hey, everyone. I've been having a ton of fun with Underdog Fantasy. They're the new official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio. They're the fastest growing fantasy app ever with investors that include Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, and Jared Goff. The Underdog Fantasy app is available at underdogfantasy.com on iOS and on Android. Once you've downloaded the app, you can draft your team in minutes to win real cash prizes. Underdog's primary draft-based game is called Best Ball. It's an innovative form of season-long fantasy that requires no management after the draft. Participants simply draft their 20-player teams, and each week they receive the points at each starting lineup spot for the players who scored the most points. There's no worries about setting your lineup, making trades, or working waiver wire deals. You've just got to draft your team, and that's it. Underdog also offers player pick'em games, including rivals, which is head-to-head matchups, and over-unders, as well as daily, weekly drafts, battle royale tournaments, and more. We've been having a lot of fun with the over-unders and the rivals matchups, especially during March Madness, the NBA season, which is winding down and playoffs coming up, Major League Baseball's getting started, NFL Draft is coming up. So we've got a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. New users get up to $100 matched on their first deposit when they use the code SBR. So download the app at underdogfantasy.com and then enter the promo code SBR to get up to $100 to play with. I promise you, you're going to have a great time like we have. It's a lot of fun. It's an innovative app. They just updated their app too. So you're going to enjoy the newly updated Underdog Fantasy app. Again, Go to underdogfantasy.com and then enter the promo code SBR to get up to $100 to play with. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. All right, Griggs, let's move on. NBA playoffs get started this week. And before we talk playoffs, let's look back on the attendance numbers for 2022. The regular season's over, so we have those final attendance numbers. Take a guess which team in the NBA was seen in person by more fans than any other team in the NBA this past regular season. Who was it? My guess is Memphis. Memphis, really? Why would you say Memphis? Because Jaws, the best player in the NBA. Okay, I don't know about that, but he's pretty good. He's exciting. So, okay, you're guessing Memphis. I think a lot of people would guess the Lakers, right? With LeBron and you know Anthony Bleh. Davis, even though he didn't play that much, and, and Russell Westbrook. Some people... You know, might guess the world champion Milwaukee Bucks, right? With Giannis. Griggs, it's the Chicago Bulls. 856,148 fans saw the Bulls play this year in person on the road and at home. So the Bulls had the best attendance. They're up and comers. You know, you and I have been uh, in front of Zach Levine, and, you know, we've seen that team. And Uh, They have a sizable arena, 20,881 is the capacity. So, you know, one of the bigger arenas in the NBA. So when you have bigger capacity and you're selling that out on most nights, you're going to draw more fans. But on the road, they average 19,556 fans per game. The biggest surprise to me, I got to be honest with you, the Suns, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, they are the league leaders in wins. They are ranked 18th on this list. I mean, what are we doing here? 
18th. You're the best team in the league. They're exciting. I like watching the Suns. How are they ranked 18th on this list? And at home, they only average 91% capacity. So they're not selling out their games. I mean, 91% is not bad. But if you have the best team in the league, shouldn't you be selling out your games? Yeah, you would think so. And that uh, that is a kind of a fascinating list. I do like the Bulls. I see where that comes from. I mean, they are an exciting young team. Uh, one frustration with the NBA this year has just been, I swear there's been more stars not playing in games this year. Like, I know some yeah. are injuries, but man, they just rest them like crazy. I mean, you, you watch a game and it's rare to have all the stars playing, which is uh, frustrating as a fan. Yeah. All right. So here's the list. I'm not going to go through all 30, but I'll, I'll go through the top. So the Bulls are number one. Philadelphia 76ers, number two. That's not a shock. Joel Embiid, pretty big star. You've got James Harden on the team now, Tobias Harris. Number three, Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. They're at 102.8% capacity for home games. So it's like standing room only at Dallas Mavericks home games to see Luka play. And then on the road, they're 97.2% capacity. So Mavericks are a big draw. The Miami Heat. They've got a number of stars. They're at 100.1% capacity at home, so they're selling out all their games. Uh, so Heat are number four on the list. The Boston Celtics are number five. They're also at 100% capacity at home, so they sell out all their games. Then you've got the Raptors at six. The Lakers come in at seven. And, you know, people can say what they want about the Lakers roster, but You've got LeBron, you've got Anthony Davis, you've got Carmelo, you've got Russell Westbrook. Like, you've got some names to hang on the marquee. And as bad as the team was on the court this year and how much they underperformed, they do well on the business side. They, you know, they get TV ratings, they get people paying high price for the tickets, and they were at 97.8% capacity for their home games at Staples Center this year. And then on the road, they were also a draw, 97.3% capacity at arenas they played at. So say what you want about the Lakers, and we'll get to them in a minute because they fired their coach, Frank Vogel, this week. But they're still a box office draw. Number eight on the list, the New York Knicks, they weren't that good, but, you know, they they – Still drew fans. Number nine on the list, this was a big surprise to me, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're a fun, young team to watch. They drew about 95% capacity for home games, and they're up and coming. They've got Evan Mobley, who a lot of people think might be the rookie of the year, Darius Garland. So they're kind of on the upswing, one of these young teams to watch. So they were at nine. And then the Utah Jazz were at number 10. Who's not in the top 10, Griggs? You've got the Warriors at 11, the Bucks at 12, the Nets with KD and Kyrie at 13, the Nuggets with Jokic at 16, and then the best team in the league, the Suns at 18. And then your Grizzlies, Griggs, number <laughs> 22 on the list. They only drew 85% capacity at home. They drew more fans on the road. 90% capacity than they did at home. The people in Memphis should be ashamed of themselves. They've got the team with the second best record in the Western Conference. They've got Ja Morant. They've got Triple J. And they're 22nd on this list. Shame on you, Memphis. 
I withdraw my guess as the number one C team uh, <laughs> highest watched. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The bottom teams on this list, I'll, I'll give you the, the bottom five. The Magic, the Spurs, the Thunder. Boy, that was a good decision for Clay Bennett and company to move the Thunder from Seattle, the 12th biggest market, to Oklahoma City. The Kings and then the Pacers had the worst attendance of anyone in the NBA, both uh, at home and on the road. So uh, that's your attendance numbers. And again, some surprises in there. But, uh, you know, overall, I guess the worst home capacity is the Wizards, only 75% capacity for their home games, followed by the Pistons, 79.6% capacity. So, you know, they're not getting anyone to home games. And if you can't get people to home games, that's a major problem if you own an NBA team. But, uh, you know, interesting list, Griggs. Yeah, that is interesting. And uh, I don't think we've ever delved into the attendance side of it. So that, that is cool. And it's interesting how, how you said some teams like Memphis, my Memphis team, <laughs> does better on the road than at home. That's kind of odd, too. But uh, I think you're right. The shocker is that Phoenix at at, at 18. I mean, they're best, 17 losses or something on the year. It's incredible. And no one, uh, they're not filling out the arena. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, they're like a historic team. And they're 18th on the list. So I, I don't understand that. All right. The Lakers fired Frank Vogel. The Lakers have missed the playoffs in seven of the last nine seasons. They won the championship in the bubble. Some people look at that as an anomaly and say, hey, look, you know, if it wasn't in the bubble, they probably don't win. You look at the team they played in the finals in the bubble, the Miami Heat, and they've been in the playoffs the last two years since the bubble. They're the number one seed in the Eastern Conference this year going into the playoffs. So the Heat continue to have success. The Lakers, I mean, it was a true anomaly and Anthony Davis was healthy, but prior to the stretch of missing the playoffs in seven of the last nine seasons. And this was when Dr. Jerry Buss was alive for most of it. The franchise had only missed the playoffs five times in the previous 65 seasons, Griggs. So I love Jeannie Buss. I've had her on this show. I think she's really smart. I think she does good things, but those numbers don't lie. You missed the playoffs in seven of the last nine seasons, and prior to that, you would only miss the playoffs five times in 65 seasons. This is a roster built on big names on the marquee, but old guys. LeBron, old. Carmelo, old. Russell Westbrook, old, and has a huge contract. He's going to make $45 million next year. And by all accounts, he was a cancer in that locker room and they're going to try and trade him. But who wants to take on an aging superstar with a $45 million contract unless you're just swapping bad contract for bad contract, like if they traded him to Houston for John Wall, who didn't even really play this last year. But if you look at the Lakers, Griggs, they need some rebuilding if I'm them, again, I know you need to hang the name on the marquee, but do you look at trading LeBron or Anthony Davis or both? Yeah, I mean, Lakers are just iconic. The brand is iconic. They need to be better. Seven out of the last nine is not good enough. And I agree with you. It's an old team and it's uh, they're injured. They're fighting amongst themselves. There's definitely some some issues there. And I think that comes with the stardom of like a LeBron. I mean, you just you get so much more than the player when you sign somebody like LeBron. But uh 
yeah, I think it's it's a rebuilding time, and that's not going to go well with Laker fans in the NBA because they need to be that much better. Can we you know, put them on the back shelf for three, four seasons for them to rebuild? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what goes forward with them. I mean, I would seriously look, if I'm Rob Palenka, I would seriously see what the market is for LeBron and Anthony Davis. I, I think if you're building around those two, like they thought they were two years ago when they won the title, I just don't think that's a recipe for success. And I go back in my lifetime and I look at like the Celtics with Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, and Robert Parrish. And they held on to those guys too long. And I understand why. And they wanted them to retire Celtics. And, and I get all of that. But what happened is they were bad for a decade after those guys retired because they didn't trade them while they still had value. And then they retired. And, and now you're in a rebuild that is going to last 10 years. The Lakers could be in that kind of a situation if they don't get something for LeBron and Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis, you know, when he's healthy, he is one of the best players in the NBA. But the big problem is he's never healthy. So if I were trading for him, I don't know that I'm going to give up a whole lot. Like, you know, there were some rumors being thrown around. Hey, trade Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo from Miami for Anthony Davis. I don't know that I'm giving up Bam and Tyler Hero, who are two really good young pieces on my team. Anthony Davis is good when he's healthy, but I don't know that he's going to be healthy. And now I just took away two huge pieces from a very successful Miami Heat team the last few years. So that's the type of trade you really have to think about if you're going to trade for Anthony Davis. But, you know, I'm sure there's some crappy teams out there in the NBA that would say, all right, I'll take that kind of a risk and and see if Anthony Davis can be healthy and be my box office draw. But I just don't know what the future is. And, you know, LeBron, my God, the numbers he put up this year at age 37 are incredible. But you just have to wonder, like, how long can he do this for? Is it another season is it another two seasons maybe three seasons of you know peak lebron or does he go off the cliff and start having injuries and you start going oh man you know i'm paying this guy a lot of money and i just traded away some players for him i get the fact that they're both box office draws they're both big names they both bring out the fans they sell jerseys all of that stuff but i just think if you're looking at on the court performance I think if you're Rob Polinka and the Lakers, you have to look at really blowing up this roster and starting over again. And unfortunately, you know, they traded a lot of young players to get Anthony Davis. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I would look at making some moves if I were the Lakers. And, and I would say no one is untouchable, including LeBron and AD. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, major sports is risk. I mean, it's, it's just what comes with the business. So, you just never know what they're going to do. Are they going to ship them all off and start fresh, like you said, with a bunch of draft picks and young guys and go start fresh? Or do they keep working in some of these older guys and keep LeBron for the rest of his playing time and see if they can uh, build around that? I don't know. It's just interesting. But like you said, it's a risk. I mean, does, does LeBron have another year, two, three in him? Does Anthony Davis? You just don't know. And uh, Westbrook, you know, he's been struggling too. So it's up and down and it's uh, it's a risky move, but the Lakers just have to get better. All right, Griggs, NBA playoffs getting underway. A lot of fans are like, oh, the regular season's so long. Just get me to the playoffs. I think fans are super excited. The NBA playoffs are here. This is wide open. I mean, I think there's five to six teams that could win the title this year, and no one would be surprised. Who do you like in the East? Who do you like in the West? Who's going to win it all? 
Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, I think it is so competitive. And I think especially in the West, like I think six of the top eight could probably win the title. I think it's any given night, any team could win. Um, I got to go with Phoenix still. They just seem to click in the playoffs. And with the leadership of Chris Paul and uh, Monty's coaching, I think they're going to be the best in the West. On the East side, if Joel Embiid can keep putting up 40 and 20 every night, they're going to be the East. I think those are the two for me. All right. I agree with you in the West. I think Phoenix is the team to beat unless Chris Paul goes down with an injury. Um, I think Golden State is going to be really good. And I think Golden State and, and Phoenix are the two teams to watch out for in the West. I'm going with Milwaukee in the East. I think Giannis is going to turn it up a level like he did in the playoffs in the finals last year. He's really unguardable when he's making threes and he's hitting anything on the perimeter at all. You come out to get him and he just goes around you. And if he's in the open court, like forget about it. No one's taking that charge. And he just became unstoppable dropping the, the 50 piece in the finals last year. And, um, I think the Bucs know how to win now, right? Like they just have a different air of confidence about them. And if they end up playing the Heat or even the Nets or or the Sixers, I think they know how to close those teams out. The other thing is I think they have the best defense, right? Drew Holiday and Giannis are elite defenders. So when you're talking about shutting down Embiid or Harden, um, even though Harden really is not playing well since he went to the Sixers, I think they have two elite defenders and they have an MVP candidate in Giannis and and I'm going to go with the Bucks. So I've got a rematch of last year. I've got the Bucks and the Suns. I like the Miami Heat. I like Coach Spo. He's a friend. I just don't know if they could beat Milwaukee in a, in a seven-game series. I'm not going to be surprised, Griggs, if Philly goes out round one to Toronto. I, I, I just don't think that Philly is very good in the playoffs. I think Harden has been missing in action. Embiid is probably like, wait a minute. We traded all these guys, Seth Curry and Drummond, and we got rid of our depth for uh, James Harden. And, and since he got there, he doesn't look like the James Harden that we've known from years past. So I would be very concerned if I'm Philadelphia. And again, I would not be surprised to see them go out in round one to Toronto. Is there anyone that, you know, Hey, this team might be a surprise. Like some people, oh, the Nets. They, I, I don't see it. I mean, I know they have two great players on their team. Probably, you know, two of the top seventy-five players ever. Even though Kyrie wasn't named to that list, in Kyrie and KD, but their defense is really bad. I mean, <laughs> they give up one hundred and thirty points in a game, and I just don't see them being able to defend anyone. Yeah, I think uh, the two that I think of in the West are um, Utah and Denver. They're kind of those where you're like, hey, they could be really, really good in a series or they could be really, really bad. I think if they can put it all together, those two teams are kind of ones that could maybe upset a a higher seed through the tournament. But who knows? Well, the other thing that's a wild card for the Nuggets is does Jamal Murray come back? Like there's been a lot of whispers about Jamal Murray coming back. And, you know, it's it's pretty ridiculous to think that you can bring this guy back in the playoffs when it's the most intense basketball of the season. And he's going to be the high level Jamal Murray that he's been in the past. But if he can give Jokic any kind of help, I mean, it's basically like Jokic and and Brian Berger and Brian Griggs and a few others out there every night. And that's why Jokic, I mean, I know you've got Jokic, you've got 
Giannis and you've got Embiid for the three MVP candidates, I think by far Jokic has the worst supporting cast. It's like, again, us out there with him. And look at what he's led the Nuggets to. I mean, you would think they wouldn't even make the playoffs. And if they made the playoffs, they'd be in a play-in game. But he's got him, what, in the five seed, I think. So, um, or no, the six seed. So it's the Nuggets and the Warriors in round one. But if Jamal Murray plays, I think that could be an interesting series with Golden State. 100%. I mean, a couple years ago when they played uh, my Blazers, uh, Jamal Murray just killed Portland. I mean, he had 30 points a night, and he is just so good, so flashy, has a great shot, and can get in the lane really easily. So I agree. Jokic needs that that other guy, and Jamal would be the guy. But, uh, man, he's just been injury-prone prone for the last two, three seasons. So hopefully he can get him back. That'd be exciting. All right, so I've got the Bucks and the Suns in the finals, but I've got the Suns winning it this year. I think they get over the hump. I think Devin Booker has the Mamba mentality going right now. He's like an assassin, just he's not messing around. He, he's very focused, and I, I think he's going to get it done. And if Chris Paul stays healthy, which has always been a question in the playoffs, I, I think those two, if you look at them in the last five minutes of close games, they take over. And most of the time in close games, five points or less, I think their record is like 33 and six. They're very good in close games. And I just think they're on a mission after losing that 2-0 lead in the finals last year. They want it badly. So I'm going to go Suns over Bucks in the finals. And then do you have Suns beating Sixers or do you have Sixers beating Suns? Oh, Suns beating them hands down, and I think uh, I think you're right with the Bucks. If there's a rematch there, I think the Suns will get it this year. Now they just need, they need to make sure their their arena's full because we can't do 91 percent for an NBA Finals game. Yeah, well, that would be ridiculous. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. Hey everyone, Brian Berger here. You might have heard my conversation with Nate Chackets, the co-founder and CEO of Roan, a few weeks ago on Sports Business Radio. If you missed it, definitely check it out. Roan is the new official menswear partner of Sports Business Radio. I love their product. I've been a fan for a long time. Did you know David Stern was one of their first investors? Roan makes the absolute highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable performance-driven clothing for men. Their entire line places emphasis on an active, balanced, and purpose-driven lifestyle. I'm wearing my spar joggers. I've got them in Uh, Heather Gray, I've got them in navy. I've got my moleskin commuter slim pant. I've got my regular black commuter pant. I've got my dress shirts. So when I'm out in in in-person meetings, I have the nicer Roan product to wear. But most of the time, I'm working from home. And I've got my rain long sleeve gray Heather camo. I've got my rain long sleeve hoodies. I am wearing the shorts for workouts, the seven-inch Mako shorts. So I'll tell you what, from top to bottom, whether it's casual or business wear, Roan has me covered. I know they're going to have you covered too. And Roan is offering Sports Business Radio podcast listeners 15% off your purchase. Go to Roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com and enter code SBR 15 at checkout, like Sports Business Radio 15. SBR 15 at checkout. Receive 15% off your purchase. That's Roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com, and enter promo code SBR 15 at checkout. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. 
All right, let's talk some Major League Baseball. So Major League Baseball, if you listen to this podcast, you know a few weeks ago we were talking, would there even be a season? So there is a season. It's underway. Uh, It's gotten off to a a pretty good start. Uh, Let's look at some of the top payrolls in Major League Baseball this year, as well as some of the bottom payrolls. Because, you know, there's there's a floor, but you have to at least reach the floor of spending on your payroll. and. You know, we talk about the NFL and the parody in the NFL. We talk about the NBA and, you know, there's big markets and small markets, but there's some revenue sharing that takes place. There's not a huge discrepancy. I think Major League Baseball has the biggest discrepancy of any sport because there's no salary cap on how much you can spend on your payroll. There is a floor, but there's no ceiling. So, all right, the number one highest payroll in Major League Baseball this year is, Griggs? The Yankees. Nope. Red Sox. Nope. Dodgers. There you go. So the Dodgers payroll, $277 million. So they're number one by, if my math is correct, $22 million over the number two team, which is the New York Mets, $253 million. So, the Mets have DeGrom, they got Scherzer, you know, they went out and spent a lot of money uh, on players this offseason. And by the way, DeGrom and Scherzer have been hurt. DeGrom is out for a while. Scherzer is back, but, you know, we'll see what he looks like. So Dodgers, number one, you know, their big offseason acquisition was Freddie Freeman. So $277 million. The Mets, number two, $253 million. The Yankees, number three at $240 million. And Griggs, big news out of the Yankees clubhouse this week. Brian Cashman, the GM, offered Aaron Judge, the star, $230 million for a new contract, and Judge turned it down. So he can become a free agent. Will the Yankees lose Aaron Judge, who a lot of people see as the face of the franchise going forward, one of the more popular athletes in Major League Baseball and in New York? So that was big news this week that Aaron Judge basically said, nope, $230 million, not enough. Well, I mean, if we ever get to the day where we're turning down $230 million for anything, we, we need to have our head examined. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, that is, especially in baseball, that's a huge amount. But uh, hey, he looks like he wants to try the market maybe and see what he can get, maybe 280 somewhere else, 250 somewhere else. But uh, yeah, he is the face of uh, the, the Yankees right now. So we'll see if uh, how that goes moving forward. And again, these baseball players are getting hurt more too, it seems like. So hopefully he can play a full season and be healthy. Well, and you see guys like Matt Olson sign eight years in Atlanta this offseason. So guys are signing long-term contracts, which, you know, I guess it gives you some uh, cushion. You know, you've got some security, but also the market could change. Are you costing yourself money? So you you wonder with Judge, like if he gets hurt or something bad happens, he's going to look back and go, man, I could add 230 million bucks in my pocket. Maybe I should have taken that. All right, the fourth highest payroll, the Philadelphia Phillies, 221 million dollars obviously they've got Bryce Harper on their team all right Griggs the four lowest payrolls in Major League Baseball the Cleveland Guardians 42 million Pittsburgh Pirates 37 million the Oakland A's Billy Bean Moneyball 32 million and the Baltimore Orioles have the lowest payroll in all of Major League Baseball 30 
million. So you have players on the Dodgers, the Mets, the Yankees, the Phillies that are making more than the entire payroll of the Baltimore Orioles or the Oakland A's this year. That is astonishing. And again, it shows you the discrepancy between the haves and the have-nots, the Dodgers and the Orioles. Top of the list, $277 million for the Dodgers. Bottom of the list, $30 million for the Orioles. How do you compete in that kind of a market? I mean, you've got to be amazing with drafting and, uh, you know, basically getting players right up from the minor leagues in order to compete with a team that's spending $277 million. You're spending nine times as much as you are, but you're on the same field with them and, you know, supposed to compete with them. That that just seems like a bad recipe for my sport. Yeah, and I think this is what fans get, you know, angry about in sports, major league sports especially, is that exact thing you just set up. The scenarios of this team has this much money to go out and get players. This team doesn't. How am I supposed to compete? Like the NBA, how are the Kings supposed to compete with the Lakers across the street? I mean, there's just, there's so much discrepancy in these teams and it is. It's like Big Brother, you're playing, you know, the JV team against the, uh, the NBA All-Stars. It's, it's pretty crazy. All right, Griggs, before we wrap up this edition of Sports Business Radio, this week, specifically this week, was when Sports Business Radio launched in 2004. I cannot believe that it's been 18 years. I think you've been with me for like 12 of the 18 years. And uh, it's been quite a ride. I mean, when we started, Sports Business was kind of talked about, but most people thought, oh, they're nerding out and they're going to talk about stock prices and they're going to talk about, you know, just things that are over people's heads. And now almost every athlete that we have on this show is the CEO of some company that they started. And they're not just talking about, here's my deal with Nike or Adidas. They're talking about, this is the company that I own. And this is the empire that I've started. And here's how I've invested my money. And the other thing that's changed is, a lot of the athletes, when we first started, they were just focused on playing. They weren't building relationships for post-career. Now, almost every athlete that we have on the show talks about the importance of building relationships while you're relevant, while you're still playing, building your social media following while you're relevant and while you're playing, and then pivoting to post-career and doing that seamlessly. Uh, our friend Malcolm Jenkins just retired from the New Orleans Saints, and he's been on this show, and he's got Malcolm Inc. He has brilliantly positioned himself so when he's done in the NFL, which he is now, he can roll right into his post-NFL life. And he's got all of these businesses set up. He's built great relationships, and you know, there's a great blueprint on how to do it. We've had Danica Patrick on, and she set herself up brilliantly for post-racing career. So that's one of the biggest things that's changed is these athletes are CEOs of their own brand, of their own company. And, you know, it's been fun to watch the the transformation of just the, the athlete who sat there and you pointed them in the right direction of go, go make an appearance for your sponsor, go do this. Now they're involved in the investing and they're taking equity in companies and they're building you know, big social media platforms, or you look at someone like JJ Reddick, who's built a great content platform, uh, you know, with his company and he retired and now he's doing 
podcasts and he's doing YouTube stuff and he's on ESPN and, um, you know, our friend Hillary Knight is on ESPN and doing stuff. Sue Bird, you know, just did a great, uh, you know, alternative broadcast during the women's final four with Diana Taurasi. So there's a lot of growth for athletes while they're playing and then they roll into it post-career. I agree. It's it's been fun to watch. I mean, just to see what some of these athletes, you know, where their their likes are and what they do. Uh, LeBron and KD with their production stuff, and West Westbrook with fashion. Uh, it's just kind of cool to see where they go outside of the playing basketball or throwing the pitch or whatever it is. And it's kind of like the sport. Their sport is their pathway to what their you know their second half of their life's going to be in the business world. So, congrats to eighteen years. Uh, yeah, twelve with me, and it's been awesome. I l- learned a lot, got to meet a lot of cool people, and travel. And it's uh, looking forward to the next uh, adventure. Yeah, and I hope we have many more to come. I'm going to answer this question as delicately as I can because I've gotten it a lot lately and I've gotten it a lot over the last 18 years. People ask me, what's your favorite interview? And I always say to people, it's like picking your favorite kid if you have more than one kid, right? Like it's kind of hard. I I think there's different settings. There's different people. Um, I love the fact that in 2013, I think it was 2012, we pivoted to podcast only. So this started as a radio show, started as a local radio show in Portland, Oregon on Sundays. Then it grew to national syndication on Sirius XM radio. Then after a while, we were like, you know what? We want to just do podcast only because our audience is busy. Their executives, they want to listen on the airplane while they're working out, while they're driving in their car. Now, a lot of people work from home. They want to listen on demand. They're probably not sitting in front of the radio at a designated time each week to listen to sports business radio. Plus, and this was the major reason for me, we can do long form conversations. If we're sitting down with a brilliant person and we can get them to talk for an hour or 90 minutes or two hours, like, Let's do it. Let's not have any parameters on, oh, sorry, I got to take a break in five minutes and uh, go to a commercial like you do in radio. This is a much better format for long form conversations and it fits our audience. The feedback I get from our listeners around the world, they like the long form conversation. They like hearing our guests explain things and dig into the details and you know show how the sausage is made a little bit. But Here's some of my favorite conversations, and it's no slight to anyone who's not on this list, but these are just some of the ones that stand out. I I think for a lot of reasons, possibly my favorite conversation was with David Stern at the Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo in 2016 in New York City. It was in front of a live studio audience. David Stern was the first ever guest on this show this week in 2004. You know, he was at the height of his powers as commissioner of the NBA. I think he's the greatest commissioner in the history of sports. He's a visionary unlike any other. Um, He took a league that was, you know, riddled with drug problems and on tape delay for the NBA finals and turned them into this, you know, worldwide successful multi-billion dollar league. And getting to sit with him for 90 minutes in New York in front of a studio audience and really having him tell the story of his life. I mean, literally from how he grew up to, you know, some of the decisions he made and some of the key moments of his career, it it was really awesome. And then, you know, the audience had great questions for him. And 
that was one of my favorite conversations. And, you know, now that we've lost him, to be able to go back and listen to that conversation seems even more important to me. Um, the most downloaded interview in the history of sports business radio since we moved to podcast is Damian Lillard, Portland Trailblazers star back in 2019. Griggs, you and I went to Damian Lillard basketball camp, went into this little room and sat with him. We ran that interview on last week's edition of Sports Business Radio. We went into the vault and ran that. So if you missed that interview, go back and listen to that. And Damian Lillard's is uh, intelligent as any athlete that you'll talk to. Obviously, he's an elite, elite athlete, comes up big at the biggest of moments, but you know, just gets it with his giving back to the community and how he works with sponsors and what he's looking for from business partners. And, you know, that is the most downloaded interview that we've done since uh, we started. And then, you know, other interviews that stand out, like I, I love the fact that we've had some really powerful women on this show. I think women don't get enough recognition when it comes to sports and sports business. So, when I think of great women who have been on this show, Maria Sharapova, who we had on last year, finally, after I chased her for 17 years, Sue Bird, Candace Parker, Jeannie Buss, I've had the pleasure of sitting down with in person twice at road shows, one at USC and one at Loyola Marymount, Chris Everett, Danica Patrick, and then Molly Bloom, who's the subject of the movie Molly's Game, written by Aaron Sorkin, and she's played by now... Oscar winner Jessica Chastain in that movie. And it's one of the most unbelievable stories you've ever heard. So I would advise you to go listen to that interview. And if you haven't seen the movie Molly's Game or read the book, check that out. Um, I grew up a big baseball fan. And, you know, I had posters of Ryan Sandberg on my wall when I was a kid. He's been on this show. John Smoltz was one of my favorite pitchers. He's been on this show. Ken Griffey Jr., who didn't watch him growing up? And, and, you know, marvel at his skills as a five-tool baseball player. He's been on this show, and he doesn't do many interviews, especially long form. Sugar Ray Leonard and Oscar De La Hoya, elite Hall of Fame boxers that have joined me. Jack Nicholas, the GOAT in golf. He still has more majors than Tiger or anyone else. And then, you know, on the business side, Mark Cuban has been on with us twice, and I just love his vision and, and how he does business and his personality and he's engaging and easy to talk to. And there's so many others beyond that list, but those are just few, a few of the names that kind of stand out with me. Are there any Griggs that, that come to mind for you beyond the ones I just mentioned? Well, as you were talking, I was, you hit the ones I was going to say. Molly Bloom was fascinating. And uh, Jeannie Buss, probably at Loyola, was my favorite one of hers. And then uh, Chris Everett, like you mentioned, was awesome. Um, trying to think of other ladies. Candace Parker is one of my favorite ones, like you mentioned, too. Kind of the same list on the ladies' side of it, because uh, you've had some great ones. But Molly Bloom was probably my favorite the last couple of years, as far as the female side. On the guy's side, um, yeah, I, I just love uh, getting into uh, Mark Cuban's head. So he always has shared some great stuff. Um What's his name? The owner of the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. He was really good. Uh, Mark. Mark yeah, Mark Lester. He was really good, too. Lots of insight and just an easy guy to talk to. So, yeah, it's just been a what a run for 18 years. Uh, just uh, name after name after name and just really open conversations. It's been fun. I mean, the one thing I've said by hosting this show is I'm trying to ask the questions that I think our audience wants answered. But if you don't get smarter by listening to the people on our show, then you're not listening because they're they're mapping out what's coming. 
They're telling you why they made certain decisions. They're explaining their process. Um, if you're an elite athlete, you know, maybe they're talking about training or they're talking about why they invested in a company or what they're doing in the community. If you're someone, you know, who's wondering what's next with women's sports, you can listen to Sue Bird or Candace Parker or Maria Sharapova and learn like, here's what lies ahead. Here's the challenges that have been overcome. So that's the neat thing for me is I feel like, you know, I'm kind of this mechanism to extract this great information out of our guests and then, you know, our audience benefits as a result. So as long as we all keep getting smarter, I want to keep doing this show. I mean, I'm 53 years old now and I could see myself doing this into my late seventies or eighties. As long as I'm sharp, um, I'm curious about people. And, you know, some people ask me like, Hey, are you tired of it after 18 years? And, and I'm not, as long as I keep having interesting people to talk to, I want to keep doing this and I want to travel more and, and do, you know, more road shows, Griggs. I want to do more just, you know, one-on-ones. We've sat down with Eric Spolster at heat headquarters and, you know, we've sat down with uh, Damian Lillard at his basketball camp. Like it's fun to go sit in person every once in a while and, look someone in the eyes and and talk to them in person. Um, So I'm excited about what lies ahead. I'm incredibly grateful for you, Griggs, and the wonderful work that you do. You know, Josh Blank was with us early on and really helped get us started on kind of the podcast train, to be honest with you. I was like, what's a podcast? And, And, you know, he explained what that was, and that's been a big part of our success. Keith Foreman was the co-founder of Sports Business Radio. He's been on this show many times. And, you know, without him, uh, we don't get off and running. And Bobby Corser was you before you were you, Griggs. I mean, he was our first producer and and got us launched and kind of handed the baton to you. Nathan Roach was a co-host for a while. He now works at Adidas Tennis. Um, And then, you know, we've had lots of great sponsors over the years. Boingo has probably been with us the longest and has allowed us to get out and do our road show. And uh, Malka Sports has been with us the last you know couple years. So a lot of people have helped make us the success that we have become after 18 years. We have, I mean, I love getting, uh, you know, whether it's DMs on Twitter or emails or whatever it may be, LinkedIn uh, notes from people from around the world. Because, you know, we sit here and we record this but you, you kind of go, well, who's listening? And when you start hearing from people around the world, you go, okay, like this is really cool. And this is, again, the power of podcasting versus radio. Podcasting, you can listen to anywhere in the world. I mean, there's so many platforms now with iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and uh, you know we're on Megaphone. So it's neat that there's no boundaries for podcasting now. Anyone in the world, as long as you have internet and you have access to you know, those platforms, you can listen to this podcast. So that's what's changed too. When we started as a radio show, you didn't really envision that one day people around the world would be able to listen to our content. And, and that's been fun. And you know, honestly, I, I want to go spend time in other parts of the world. I want to go to Europe. I want to go to Australia. I want to go to Asia. Um, I want to go to places and, and learn more about sports business in, in those areas and hear from people in other parts of the world. We're heavily focused on North America. And, you know, that would be a goal of mine is to get out to some of the other areas of the world. So I, 
I mean, I'll throw out my email address, brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. If you're in an area other than North America and you want us to come visit you and take a, a look at your sports business, email me. You know, let's let's figure that out. That would be fun to get out there and do that. Griggs, we got our own equipment and we got our remote set up and we're portable. We can go anywhere, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's fun. And uh, I think in that whole last segment you were talking about, is learning. I love that we can keep learning and uh, getting smarter from our guests. And uh, hopefully they can learn stuff from us too, as we ask good questions and delve into their world. And um, yeah, I think as long as we keep learning and smart people keep coming through the uh, the ranks, which that's never going to not not happen, then uh, we're in business. So yeah, let's go. Let's travel the world. Let's get out to a Euro soccer match and maybe some, uh, some Wimbledon and some other things like that. It'd be fun. So, and last but not least, I want to thank our listeners, uh, people who I hear from all the time. You know, we've got the loyal listeners that I hear from regularly on Twitter or other platforms. Thank you for listening for the last 18 years. And, you know, like I said, I hope there's many more years to come. So, Griggs, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks again for all your great work. I agree. And uh, congrats on 18 years. This has been awesome and uh, great show today. Chopping it up with you. Thank you. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.